Shart International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. I'm Kathy Bird, Fresh Art producer, and I'm really excited to share with you our first broadcast of Fresh Talk Uncut. I recorded this conversation in October 2012 during a residency in Berlin. I met Jean-Luc Desert in Kreuzberg and recorded this conversation. Jean-Luc was born in Haiti and lived in the U.S. and France before migrating to Berlin. He talks to me about how these cultures affect his art making. I'm Kathy Bird, fresh art producer, and today I'm in Berlin with Jean-Luc Desert. He was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, received his degrees at Cooper Union, Cooper Union and Columbia University in New York, and has exhibited widely at such venues as the Brooklyn Museum, Cité Internationale des Arts, the NGBK galleries and public venues in Munich, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Ghent, Brussels, and Berlin. He's the recipient of awards, public commissions, and private philanthropy, including the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council, Vila Waldberta München Kulturverrat, and Cité des Arts, France. Jean Ulrich represented, represented Haiti and Germany in the 2009 Havana Biennial. Jean Ulrich. Hello, Kathy. Hi. You represent a contemporary Caribbean diaspora. You've been an expat for quite a while, and I'm really interested in knowing what you found that was at all advantageous of being part of a diaspora. Um, being part of the diaspora several times over, um, I think, brings um, very surprising challenges and uh, rewards, um, as well as um, an occasional, um, what's the word, um, uh, problems. Um, I've been a expat from Haiti since the age of seven, living as a um, immigrant in the United States since that moment, and a decade uh, and plus two years ago, I um, relocated uh, now as a naturalized American uh, to Europe. So once again, as an expat, several times removed. So what's the advantage of being an expat? The advantage of an expat, um, and actually I'm not quite sure I'm comfortable with the term expat. I think it's actually... Mm -hmm rather uh, loaded. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll use it, but just to parenthetically say that. I think the advantages are that wherever you go, you bring with you a um, uh, coffer, a luggage of wonderful histories with you. So first time around, uh, by moving to America, I brought a wealth of cultural baggage with me and my family to America. And moving to Europe, 
I've now brought that bag and the additional bag of the American cultural baggage with me. Um, it's kind of a collection of sorts. And that really allows me as well as um, uh, other people who have migrated um, for multiple reasons. I think a certain insight into the new places that we come to, because everything's fresh. Mm -hmm. And you lived for years in Paris and then tested Barcelona as a possibility, as I recall. Um, yeah, I, I lived several uh, years in Paris. Uh, but before Paris, actually, I had t made my reconnaissance mission to Barcelona, mm -hmm. rented a place for a month or so to see if that was a proper um, place. But ultimately, uh, Paris was a much better fit, and Berlin is even better. Why Berlin? Why, why is Berlin better? Berlin is somewhat unexpected um, in my trajectory. Um, um, I, can, I, can, I can first say that um, Paris had some, um, some rather deep surprises for me. Um, always remember that uh, my mother tongue is French and that I learned English. Um, now English being my main language, but still my mother tongue was French because of the history that I share um, with France. Uh, being born in Haiti, an ex-colony of um, the French state. So um, by moving to France, uh, I essentially was moving into a situation in which the, the presence of the colonizer would re-emerge in my life. Um, and this both uh, was discomforting as well as comforting, actually. Uh, there were many, many more things that I can say uh, from my history we, my family, can share with French cultural environment than we did with Americans. Mm -hmm. um, so this brought comfort. Berlin. The discomfort <laughs> is what brought me to Berlin, that discomfort of... Uh, this history being all too present and perhaps at times, not all the time, but at times uh, restricting the work that I make. Berlin <clears throat> offered a liberation from that and interestingly enough, an American echo that is um, very significant in the sense that um, uh, there are many cultural uh, attributes that one can find in Germany um, that one can find in America. I knew how things could work here. I had a certain liberty that I didn't have in France. That said, uh, language is a challenge. You have said that your practice may be characterized as what you call visualizing conspicuous invisibility. And as someone who's in other cultures, constantly placing yourself in cultures outside the one you were born in. I'm curious how that manifests. Is does it manifest in Negerhosen and the Burka project? 
Um, those two projects of mine um, most certainly do. Um, I think that, um, um, not I think, I know, <laughs> that the reason that I, I speak about conspicuous invisibility is because this is a condition that I think that uh, many people uh, might be able to relate to, particularly if you are a person of color in a uh, European white dominant um, culture. You are both uh, conspicuous and you are uh, made to feel and at times are rather invisible. And so um, I've, uh, I've brought an element of that um, into my work by trying to uh, play with that. So in the project that you mentioned, the Negrohosen 2000, which is of course not the year that it was made, uh, but a kind of optimistic vision for the next millennium. Um, so that's the um, uh, part of the word play with the Negrohosen uh, 2000. In this particular piece, it was perhaps um, because I was insufficiently invisible and um, um, attacked um, while being in Germany, visiting Germany actually for an installation that I was doing. And um, <clears throat> I thought that perhaps uh, this uh, odd string of events in which um, someone was chasing after me and screaming and wanting to cause physical damage, that I would react to it in this creative way by perhaps in an absurd way choosing a image of um, a kind of German stereotype of the happy German man in his Lederhosen. So um, I thought that um, uh, perhaps uh, as a conspicuous body, um, I might go towards invisibility by wearing uh, a kitschy um, local outfit. That said, um, uh, I made certain that there were a variety of details in that particular uh, performance piece uh, that um, uh, registered in a rather profound way. Um, the other project that you mentioned um, is uh, the Burka Project. And um, this is the full title of which is The Burka Project on the Borders of My Dreams, I Encountered My Double's Ghost. It was a project made um, in 2002, early 2002. It was perhaps a kind of um, personal artistic interrogation on my part as a reaction to the tragedies of September 11th in New York, um, 2001. Um, it was, a, it was very much about wanting to capture something that was being unspoken, um, that in itself was somewhat invisible within the conversation of that moment. Uh, thus, I decided to not make a work about um, uh, the destruction of several towers, um, nor engage in an open, naked critique of uh, the politics of the day, but perhaps to reflect by using different iconic images, that of the burqa, merged with um, 
four different national flags, that of the United States, Great Britain, France, and Germany, which I viewed as a rather uh, influential group. Um, and it's, 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 it's neither about clearly about the, the, the East or the West, but I felt that it would bring to fore uh, some sort of undiscussed, i.e. invisible, uh, discourse that was not happening, and yet using very simple images that trigger for many people many, many different ideas depending on your knowledge, your beliefs, etc. Um, it's, it's not work in which I try to tell anyone what they should think. Um, but but the, the one, one third project that actually I think is more pointed that uh, perhaps you uh, were not, may not have been aware of is a project that I did in the Netherlands um, where in fact um, I played with this idea of conspicuous invisibility even more. I was invited by a gallery to create a work. I said that we would give um, art classes in the gallery and that we would hire a white actor to become and be me, Jean-Luc Desert. And in that particular case, um, the invitations were uh, using um, the image of um, uh, um, Manet's um, Olympia. And I served in the classes, in the gallery, essentially as the assistant, the man of color with the ashtrays and the pencils and the paper, while this white actor, who everyone understood to be Jean-Luc Desert, gave the lessons. My invisibility was reinforced perfectly. It was completely understood that this man with the voice of authority uh, would be the only possibility to be Jean-Luc Desert. That's cool. What was the, when did you reveal the truth, your true identity? The, the revelation came um, at the um, end of several weeks of classes where the uh, drawings of all of the students were um, uh, exhibited in the exhibition alongside a whole variety of images that I had done during the night of portraits of all of the um, participants. Uh, <laughs> and were they surprised? Um, yes, they were surprised. And it, 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 it shifted for them uh, uh, their own um, beliefs and ideas. And uh, I think it was very surprising to some people because um, they never thought of that type of agency coming from a person of color, particularly to play this particular type of, uh, of game. But um, it's been, it's been um, a move that I've done in my work where I've also started to slowly shift the performance aspects outside of my own body and towards um, others. That brings us to talk about the new exhibition that's being curated for the Contemporary Art Museum in Houston by 
Valerie Cassell Oliver by Valerie Cassell Oliver and the title of the exhibition is Radical Presence Black Performance in Contemporary Art and I noticed the there are artists that are included whose work is known primarily as performance William Pope L Adrian Piper uh, Caleb Lindsay and then you were selected as well, and I know you have some performance, but your work is not totally centered on that. What work did she? What work does she want to show of yours? Why were you selected? Um, I'm I'm very honored to um, uh, to participate in this important exhibition. Um, I think that the reason that perhaps uh, Valerie Castle Oliver um, has asked me to participate is she's she's trying to create a multi generational exhibition. I think on a topic that is um, at least in the American context um, rarely discussed, which is uh, um, uh, people of color, artists of color, um, men and women who have been using this mode of um, uh, artistic expression, uh, i.e. performance, uh, in their work and uh, really spoken about in in this kind of, let's say, uh, survey. Um, I think that she chose my work um, because it stands apart from some of the other um, choices and uh, because of my location, particularly here in uh, Germany. Um, The specific work that she did um, choose to take on and show is in fact the Negerhosen 2000 um, project. So there will be um, something like about 50 um, imaginary postcards um, from the moments that I did it. Um, they're all images taken by other people. So, in fact, the people who are experiencing the project are uh, contributing to the piece by, in fact, being the documenters um, and other ephemera that will be there um, as well. So I think that she's strategically using this uh, work because it speaks of a a uh, different experience using a uh, the mode of performance to express a variety of um, complex um, ideas uh, that sometimes have to do with uh, race and culture um, and st- stereotyping on every which way. Because in the Negerhosen 2000, as I said, since I'm wearing a pair of actually Caucasian-skinned later hosen, uh, I am also playing uh, with stereotypes, but I'm instigating them. Big difference. (laughs) This winter, you'll be participating in a project in Berlin at the Haus der Kulturen der at HKW. Haus der Kulturen der Welt, which in English simply means the House of World Cultures. You'll be participating in an exhibition called Drifting, Labor Berlin. I'm wondering what you'll be showing in that exhibition. 
that's being curated by Valerie Smith, an Amer- another American curator. Um, also, um, an, an exhibition that I'm um, uh, very grateful to be part of. I think it'll be an interesting mix. There will, uh, I'll be the only um, person of Haitian descent uh, there. There'll be, I believe, three other Americans. Um, we're trying to figure out what I'll be showing there, and we're almost there. Um, the reason I hesitate um, is no issue of secrecy whatsoever, but um, it's we, we, we've gotten into a very interesting conversation about um, how does one represent my work um, since uh, there's a there's a rather diverse type of mediums that and, and methods and with, with which I I work. Um, but and, what is the theme? Drifting labor about what is? Um, it's about people either passing through or continuing to um, uh, passing through Berlin specifically, right. either for a short time or a very long time. The exhibition only um, will have artists who are uh, working in Berlin, as I do, who are not officially represented by a gallery here. So there are, are the, some the constraints. Total, the total, everyone in the show is American? No. Uh, people you were just in, naming that there, yeah, there, there were other there, Americans there were, there were about three Americans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, people are coming from a variety of okay. places uh, other than Germany. And, uh, but the, 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 the requirement is that one work here and isn't actually uh, represented by a commercial gallery. And thus, it means that whatever uh, will be shown uh, ultimately is a representation of what one's work is like. And with me, uh, um, I don't work in one particular style. There is a spine throughout all of my work, uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's not... Um, immediate, so it takes uh, a bit to uh, figure that out. So mm-hmm. we're we're thinking of po- the possibility of my multiples, since I create uh, uh, multiples that are usually available at low cost to the general public and often free, um, or some uh, projects in which uh, we may juxtapose. Uh, project A against Project B because it serves as a very good Alpha Omega, for instance. Mm-hmm. I know that you're working on a series of interviews with the Caribbean magazine Art, Recognition, and Culture, and you're doing a series of interviews. Are they? Tell me about that project. Um, uh, what I usually call Arc Magazine. Um, is um, we're, we're, we're talking about doing a feature issue uh, for the late winter, early spring, uh, based around me, my, my, my art practice. And um, so we're in the midst of figuring out uh, the details of, of that. Um, they had seen some of my recent works uh, from the goddess projects, the most recent of which uh, is a sculpture of the sky above Haiti 
in the moment of the 2010 earthquake, for instance. Um, this is a body of work uh, which has used the American um, Josephine Baker as its kind of leitmotif, uh, as if she were a mythological goddess uh, looking down uh, on us uh, mortals, if you will. Um, and so in the, uh, I'm working now with um, uh, um, Jerry Philogène. She is a um, art historian uh, based in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so we're doing a rather in-depth uh, set of interviews uh, in which she investigates uh, everything from these um, uh, performance projects to uh, things like my most um, personal projects, like the ABCs of my um, of my private life, uh, which has to do with my childhood, um, to the most recent uh, works uh, around this idea of the goddess. And those will be published. They'll be published. Uh, I believe it comes out. Um, March or April, something like that. So it's uh, ARC magazine, something worth Googling. I met you through US Art Berlin, which is an organization founded by an artist that I've presented on another Fresh Talk episode, Kate Hers. And I'm very interested in knowing why you think an organization like Art, U.S. Art Berlin is important and what you think its relevance will be in the future. U.S. Art Berlin um, is it's critically important. Uh, it's been critically important for years, even though it's less than two years old. Given the nexus of, uh, Berlin is a nexus um, for many artists um, coming from many places, uh, America, the West Indies, all throughout different parts of Europe, let alone Germany. Um, it's necessary, I think, for us to be supportive as Americans uh, towards each other, uh, as well as to those who will um, help us along. I mean, it, it's, it's for me a kind of sense of uh, community. It has nothing necessarily to do with uh, politics uh, whatsoever. But um, we look towards the opportunity of um, uh, approaching uh, different organizations as well as different institutions such as uh, the American Embassy uh, to give us a, somewhat of a thumbs up. Uh, I would say that U.S. Art Berlin is fundamentally important in this kind of uh, post-2008 world financial crisis uh, condition that we're in, in the sense that um, uh, working together beyond issues of money, but in fact networking, support, and to help make uh, things happen and ultimately allow 
uh, uh, um, cultural voices to thrive and uh, uh, in the face of so many challenges uh, living here in Berlin. You had mentioned earlier, though, that one reason you thought it was important was to maybe have a critical density of American artists in order to get more support from the embassy that you see you see other nationalities that live here being supported by their countries, their practices being funded, and that that's not necessarily the case for American artists abroad. It's not the case for American artists abroad, and it's not the case for American artists in the United States, because we still, we, we, there, there are multiple posts, right? Um, so we're, we're, not only are we needing to deal with a kind of post-2008 um, financial meltdown, but we had even before that as artists functioned in a post-Jesse Helms reality that re- continues to stick. So um, uh, support has been very, very thin, basically because of fear. Um, um, a fear, well, just a fear. Um, so um, uh, I think that uh, um, uh, I've lost my... What we were talking about was that by gathering as an organization, you potentially have you have more potential to get uh, funding from yeah. the U.S. government. But 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 um, my, my contention is that this is um, the support that artists um, need, though financial is perhaps one part of it. I think that, in my opinion, it's a small part of it. Uh, I think that support comes in many manners. Uh, and I think that it's worthwhile investigating what that might be. So, um, for instance, one thing that uh, U.S. Art Berlin has begun to do is to reach out and successfully partner with uh, organizations like New York Foundation for the Arts, for instance. Um, uh, there may be certain situations where there are in-kind uh, donations for services uh, that are possible. We've given a variety of events here in Berlin in which the uh, American Embassy has been very kind to allow us to give it uh, um, there um, and uh, help facilitate that. You've also forged relationships with, uh, well, a relationship with Humboldt University, which actually integrates you more into Berlin than working with another American organization might. But, 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 but we, try, we try to engage in as many bridges as possible. So for instance, at Humboldt University is the American Studies program that has opened their doors and invited us in so that we can have uh, 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 different events there, including uh, your uh, wonderful workshop uh, uh, that we had recently, so um, it, it, it's there. There are many bridges uh, that are able to be built because we want to uh, uh, be very much. Uh, I put it. We we definitely want to promote 
uh, our strengths and our histories, our multiple histories, because we have uh, Americans uh, like myself that have uh, a very interesting and complicated um, background, in my case, uh, emanating from the Caribbean. We have other Americans who, if they're not coming from uh, the Corn Belt in America or one of the hot cities, they too are a uh, kind of uh, hyphenated American uh, um, as, as, as well. Um, but also this exchange works backwards towards us as well so that these uh, German doors like the Humboldt University are uh, freely open to open their doors to us um, as well. They learn as much from us as we are beginning to learn from them. And uh, we know that this is a very uh, positive exchange, to use a word. What do you see as the future of USR Berlin? What's the vision for its role in Berlin? Well, I see USR Berlin as being as strong as its membership. So its membership uh, being not only American artists, writers, historians, scholars, but also uh, those who are very much interested in engaging with us by becoming members, so non-Americans as well. Um, I see that this networking, uh, but not particularly in the 1980s Reaganomics world type of networking, as being uh, something that will develop its own uh, wings. I personally would love to see U.S. Art Berlin, but particularly um, the artistic art, different art, visual art parts of it become a critical uh, think tank. Uh, but that's easier said than done um, because I know how think tanks are uh, literally funded. And uh, I think we have to kind of reinvent the wheel with that title of think tank. You just heard our Fresh Talk Uncut feature with Jean-Uric Dessert. In this episode, for the first time ever, we're sharing an unedited conversation I recorded in Berlin on October 27, 2012. Thank you for listening. There's more on freshartinternational.com. <laughs>